Hi, and welcome to the Tough Fish Show. I'm your host, Jen Milius, and I'm so glad that you're here. And before we get into the show, I want to invite you to visit jennifermilius.com forward slash start to get free resources focused on helping you get your book and message out into the world. Choose what resonates and take steps towards being seen and heard, showing up at the table, owning your space, and sharing your book and message. And now let me introduce to you Stephanie Cotta. Stephanie Cotta writes epic fantasy and is the award-winning author of the young adult fantasy novel, The Conjurer's Curse. After discovering the world of Star Wars and the land of Narnia at a young age, her love of sci-fi fantasy has been undying ever since. She loves crafting stories of hope amid impossible odds and creating realistic characters who inspire readers to discover their inner strength and overcome their struggles. Stephanie lives in beautiful Southern Oregon with her husband, their two kids, a corgi named Walter, and a tabby cat named Percy. When she's not writing, she's practicing archery, avidly reading, playing an immersive RPG, or hiking with her family. Let's dive into the pond and meet Stephanie. Welcome to the Tough Fish Show. I am so excited to bring to you Stephanie Cotta. Stephanie, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be here. I'm excited for you to be here too. And I would love for you to start with how did you get into writing? So this is going to sound funny, but I was not one of those kids that grew up wanting to be a writer. Although I will say the storyteller was always in me at a young age. So I shared a room with my younger sister named Liz. And so we spent the bulk of our time just story acting. We had a bunch of toys and we would just, you know, play with our toys and create all these stories. And so it started from there. And it's really funny that stuff that we would craft, like just, uh, we would kill characters. We would do this, the silliest things. Like, <laughs> so at a young age, we, we were having our imagination just run wild. So I think as I got older, that just stayed with me. So like in high school, I wrote a paranormal story and I wrote a lot of poetry. It was a great way to process my emotions as an angsty teenager, middle child, <laughs> you know? So that was a great way for me to just get out all my thoughts. But I wouldn't say... I didn't start becoming a serious writer probably until my mid twenties. Um, I read a bunch. I was a huge avid reader. I loved reading Star Wars, sci-fi, fantasy, historical romance, but I thought writers were geniuses. That's, that's how I viewed things. I thought you had to be a genius. Like you had to know everything to be a writer. So it wasn't until I was probably like 26 and a pastor, a friend of mine, you know, pulled me aside after church one day because he loved to talk fantasy and Star Wars. And he told me, Steph, you need to write your own fantasy book. Like you've read so many books. So you've got all the knowledge. You just need to do it. And it's like, okay, I'm going to go do it. So I went home and I kind of started writing and I'd had a dream of this story probably like a year prior, wrote like three pages and did nothing with it. And then it just sat, sat for a year. But after him telling me, you need to write, I just went home and it's like a fire was just birthed in me and I just couldn't stop. I didn't know what I was doing. 
I'll say that right now. I did not go to college for writing. I didn't take any creative writing courses. I was an art major. So I got my bachelor's in fine art. I was not, I didn't consider myself a writer, but I became one because I was just writing every day after that. And so I think for about six years, I was just in my own world crafting this imaginative fantasy story that doesn't take place on earth. And I was learning my craft that way. I was learning my voice and I didn't really share this with anybody. Like, I think when we first start writing, we're so hesitant to trust somebody else to read our work because I didn't know any authors. Like, I didn't know any writers. So I kind of felt like if I'm going to do this, I'm just going to keep it to myself. (laughs) And then maybe if I think it's good enough or I get some feedback and people say, yeah, they like it, then maybe I'll share it with more. So, but at the beginning, it was just me and myself letting my mind go. So you have hit on a few things that I think are so important. And one of which is that that first draft really and especially your first book but your first draft is you finding your voice with that story because even if you've written multiple pieces each book each set of characters are going to be different and they need to talk to you and you need to feel what that story is and even if it's nonfiction, it's still a little different than what you've written before so that first draft and even if you have a, a clear voice for yourself it might show up a little different in that next book than previous books. So I love that that first pass, that first set of drafts were really about you finding your voice, you figuring out that space, getting comfortable with what you were doing. And then, you know, obviously you became more comfortable because you hit publish. (laughs) But what I also think is cool is that your background with an artistic background, there's a lot of creativity and storytelling happening with art, if you think about illustrations or the cover design going into a book or your ability to create that mental world, like what would I put on a canvas or on a piece of paper or digitally, and then how to translate that into words? How how did that come to be for you? I mean, was it like a movie that you played in your mind and then you started sketching it or you started writing it? Like how, how did you build your world with your background? It did feel like a movie playing in my head. I I spent almost a year just brainstorming ideas before I really sat down and started, you know, typing. So it was coming like movie. I would see a scene. I would have these characters talking, having a dialogue, interacting, and the world just unfolded. And my art background, you know, when you paint something, you're capturing an entire story with like one image and people can look at it and they have all these different interpretations. The artist usually has like one interpretation of why they they painted that. But the wonderful thing is having viewers look at it and find stuff for themselves. So when I'm writing though, I, I see it like art. So I tell people when I start a scene, I am just drafting the skeleton. So it's like, I did figure figure drawing class. So when you start drawing a person, you have to know the skeletal structure. You know, once you get that down, then you're adding muscle. And so for me, that's like, I'm going back a second a time, a third time into the scene and I'm adding dialogue tags. I'm act, adding actions. I'm like, what are my characters doing? Where are they sitting? Are they standing? Are they outside? And I start adding in those sensory details, but it starts with the skeleton, which could just be straight dialogue. 
And, you know, after that, after you've added the muscle, then you kind of have a complete scene. I'm adding in all the visuals that are going on in the environment. So, you know, when the readers are actually get that whole scene, they have a complete picture in their mind. And I say, if I haven't painted a picture for the reader, then I haven't done my job. Wow. Yeah. And it's funny that you mentioned it that way, because um, the previous episode with uh, Janair Trump, when she and I were talking from an editing standpoint, we literally used a little stick man and talked about like, and now my artistic skills, well, I draw great stick men. They are fantastic. And that's about the extent of my skill level. But, you know, I do put little dresses, they look like little triangles on them. And that's when you can tell <laughs> in some cases what I've done but the idea of you know drawing out your person and do they have if they have an arm do you have four fingers and a thumb do they have all the you know the toes if they are wearing shoes do they match or if not why don't they match <laughs> so I mean like everything you're describing is making me think about you've written something you started with something and then you're going back in and adding those layers just like in painting just like in and drawing I I love the correlation you've made I love that so when you were writing and building out your world and building out your characters and so forth did you need to keep like I'm going to call it a crib sheet something along the lines to say okay this world looks like this and this is these are the parameters of this world or did you have a physical map that you could draw and say point A is over here and point B is, you know, east of that or what have you. I mean, did you have yes. to do, oh yeah? So, well, I mean, I did it all in my head. So I, I think some, I think some writers are great at mapping everything out. They have notebooks. I see that on social media, like here's my little writing space, my notebook and everything. I'm like, no, it's like all in my head. <laughs> and somehow it's all connected. I will keep things in my notes app, but for the most part, I kind of, maybe it's just my artistic background that I can visually see it in my head and it and keep it there. And then drawing on, I think, realistic environments that I've been to. So in my world, I can think, okay, so this area is very oceanic, you know, like coastal. I live in Southern Oregon and we're surrounded by mountains and evergreen forests. But I was like, I want this place to be like the coast in Oregon, or this place is gonna be completely different because I drove through Arizona once and I love the idea of these red landscapes. So this one's gonna have a very deserty feel and it's gonna be in the South. So I would just kind of know where certain locations were based on where I've been. And I guess we kind of translate it to our own world, but I definitely make it have a fantastical feel to it, putting it all in a, in a medieval setting because I'm a big medieval history nerd. So history buff too. That's what I minored in. So that's a little extra fun tidbit. I minored in history as well. That's cool. That's oh, awesome. really cool. So, so what I'm hearing though, is that you really created a world and took a lot of pieces that you really enjoyed and then made it your own. And I, I love that because Sometimes we can get so wrapped up in, well, it needs to look a certain way or follow this and forget about the joy or the excitement that you started with to begin with, that you, you had this idea, you had this, this inkling or this inspiration because you were excited or because something, you know, lit a flame inside you and you wanted to see it through. So going back to that and weaving those pieces in, 
I, I think add some fun for the writer as well as joy. And that is going to come through even in your dark, scary scenes. It'll feel more like believable because you're invested in it. You want to create a great experience for your reader. Would you agree yes. with that? Definitely. And I remember having some people who've read, read The Conjurer's Curse, which my debut book, saying like, it felt like a real story, even though it's technically fantasy, the way I described the world was immersive enough that it, if I didn't have the magical elements, it would, it could just read like a fiction novel. And which is great because which is kind of what I want in some way. I want you to connect with a character, you know, and that's usually how a story starts. For me, it's been a character, not like, oh, I want to build this grand whole epic fantasy world that doesn't take place on earth. It's like, no, you start with a character and then, then it's like, okay, where does this character live? And what are their problems? What are they struggling with? And when you kind of get those little things um, figured out, then like the world just transforms around them. So that's, that's the fun part. That's like the magical side of writing too. Yes. I love that so much. So you've written your draft, you're ready. You, you feel more confident with what you have. When did you know you were ready to share it with other people? Hmm. Well, that would be when you kind of, I got a critique partner. So that's, that was the big step. I, I'd only really trusted my fantasy series with like my parents, uh, another friend, like an older woman who was a dear friend of mine. She loved reading everything. So I trusted it with just a few people. And then it's like, okay, six years have gone by. I have written like six books in this series and I haven't done anything. Like the whole publishing at world just, it was foreign. It was scary. I didn't know how to get my foot in the door, but I met a friend through a mutual friend and she was also writing fantasy, like an Arthurian legend. And I thought, this is awesome. Like now I have a running mate. I have somebody who can come alongside me and she wanted to get published. And I'm like, I don't know where to start. So having her there to kind of challenge me and be that like accountability partner really helped. So she read my work. I read hers. And then it's like, okay, let's do this. So I queried it out, which is so scary. Oh my gosh. You know, rejections come in, but you just have to develop thick skin. And uh, I, it came to a point where I thought, you know what? I think my book's too long. I think this whole, my epic fantasy stories just need to go on the side. And that's, that's when I drafted uh, YA fantasy story that was took place in the same world and I made it shorter and so for this one I wrote it in four months and then I thought I want to do this the correct way so I'm going to actually get beta readers which I hadn't done before so I think I put out like a call on Facebook maybe and I, I was not on social media much so I was like okay I have a book I want to get it published so let's get some beta readers and that was it was very scary because really nobody outside of family and just maybe a few close friends had read it. So they read it and I got a lot of good feedback, a lot of things to help me tinker with it and tweak it. So then I got, after that, I was ready to, to query this story. But what I'm hearing is that you went at the pace you needed. You also mm -hmm. started small and yes. gained confidence and then expanded and gained confidence and kept going like that. And rather than saying, well, I just got to knock it all out in one setting. 
no, you were willing to say, I need to go at a different pace, but that's okay because I'm, yeah. I'm building the confidence to be able to handle that because I mean, just giving it to beta readers and getting their feedback, that's putting yourself out there. And that, but that helped to build the confidence to say, well, now I can query this. Now I feel more confident querying this, even if the agent says no, or even if two agents say no, before I get to my agent, I, I had to build confidence doing that and learning the process. So I love that you, I love that you trusted yourself to follow your instincts and go at the pace you needed. Thank you. And I, I think that's so important too, for like our mental and emotional health. I think we think, I just want to get published. And so we kind of rush through that door before we're maybe ready. And so then when you get that, that hard pushback from possible, a bunch of queries or agents like now, no, and you know, this isn't good. Like that could just destroy you if you haven't like taken the time to really build your craft. And so I do encourage people like take the time you need, go at your own pace. There is no set time. We're all on our own journey. We're all going at our own pace. I, I wasn't like a long distance runner, but I feel like when it comes to life, <laughs> I'm a long distance runner. I am totally fine at taking things slow at my pace. I don't like to overwhelm myself with things. If I feel overwhelmed and that little spike of anxiety hits me, I'm like, you know, it's okay. I'm going to step back. I'm going to take a day off. I'm going to not write today. I'm going to read, you know, cause reading is so important too. And so it's, allowing, giving yourself grace. That is so important as a writer to give yourself grace, have those mental health days, take a day off or a week from social media. If you need to recharge and then come back, re-engage. Um, I, I just feel like that's the healthiest approach. I am with you, sister. That is awesome. <laughs> and I'm so glad you said that because sometimes even when you know it, it helps to hear it. It helps to hear someone else say that in the sense of going, oh, you're right. And maybe I'm, maybe this is the, the, the sign. This is the, that little nudge I needed to go. Yeah. Maybe today is that day. I need to redirect my energies to do something else and then get back into it. Or maybe I'm so focused on trying to make this one section work, maybe taking a step back and working on another section or another part of the story is what would help to not only keep things moving, but then unblock where you feel a little stuck. And maybe like you're saying, maybe it's a, I need to take today and do something completely different and then I'll come back to it. And that's okay too. I think you have more joy that way too, uh, in the craft and you, you do get refreshed. So my husband is always at me to take the day off, do something else. I do enjoy play, playing video games and doing archery. So it's like, go outside, shoot, you know, shoot some arrows, like play a video game, like take your mind off it because I can get so like in my own head that as I'm writing a scene and if it just is not coming the way I want it, I can, I can like berate myself. Like this sucks. And that's not good. Like if your mind is at that space, you do need to take a break. And sometimes in that space of taking the break, even if it's just going and cooking, like uh, it's dinner time, I'm going to go cook. All of a sudden, my character starts talking to me when like they weren't when I was staring at this white screen and just like, I don't know what to write. And then uh, bang, all of a sudden, it's like, there's the monologue I needed the heart of the issue because I stepped away and like freed my brain <laughs> from like the trench of like forcing myself to get something down. So I have found walks to be so helpful. 
I love taking evening walks with my little corgi, Walter. It's, it's, it's a great way to unwind after spending a day writing or doing different tasks. Just go walk for 30 minutes. I'll put some music on in my headphones and just ah unwind and kind of let my brain defrag, but also be creative if it needs to be. Okay. I love that you said defrag, <laughs> but also, but to your, I mean, when you were talking about cooking, I feel the same way. The moment that I, and then all of a sudden, whatever I've been working on, whether it's my own piece or editing someone else's or whatever, all of a sudden that starts talking. I'm like, okay, go turn the phone on and start voicing my thoughts into yeah. it. So I don't lose it, but I'm not willing to just completely stop and then go work on it. It's like, okay, I need to just collect those ideas but still mm -hmm. allow staying in the space that now I'm in because maybe more things will come, but then I'll feel even more refreshed when I go back into whatever that was with those new notes too, because somebody, that story, that whatever started giving me more to work with. So I, I love that. So one of the things I know you chose to do as well, is not just publish, but start a podcast. And I would love for you to talk about what what caused you to want to start a podcast and how does that feel like what what do you think about it talk about it with me first off it feels so weird because you know like a year ago or even a year and a half ago I was not on social media you know getting landing a publisher changed everything it's like oh you need to have a platform you need to be on all these things and connect with people and it has been great to do that I am very introverted so I like, you know, being in front of a camera, like talking in front of people. It's like that that's, I shy away from that, <laughs> but my publisher, she encourages us, her authors. And it's like, you know, if you want to start a podcast, it's super easy. I will help you out if you ever want to do it. And so it was kind of in the back of my mind that, you know, one of these days I, I maybe I should. So I teamed up with my author friend who was my running mate, my critique partner has been there alongside me for the past two years. And I said, Hey, like, what do you think about doing a podcast? And she said, I've been wanting to do a podcast. So I was like, well, let's do it together because I think that's the only way it's going to happen. Like it would be hard. I, I applaud you for doing it on your own, but like, I know for me, I, I need someone there beside me. So we started brainstorming and this is, this is super recent, like maybe back in July or June, we just started brainstorming ideas like, well, we need a name. Like if we're going to have a podcast, we need to come up with a name. So what embodies our goals and what we're all about? And we're both fantasy writers. We both love history, historical fiction. We love myths and legends and story craft. So we landed on the name, the Ink Mages and it, it happened after we were throwing around all these terms like wizard, magic, uh, sages. And then I said mages. And then I don't know who said like ink, but I'm like ink mages. So like we have the writing aspect, you know, we'll get an image of a feather quill pen. So it seems like old, you know, uh, medieval times. And then we'll put mage because that's very fantasy. And to us, um, writing feels like magic. Like when we are at the computer and typing, we don't know where all these ideas are coming from, but when we get it down, it's, it feels like we're creating magic on the page. So that's kind of what we're all about is how does the magic happen in stories and, and world building? 
And we've just recently started, so we've got a couple episodes out. And then our next step is interviews. <laughs> I love that. I love that so much. And so do you feel like because it's something new, but yet you're doing it and it is a little different. I mean, do you yeah. feel like it is has opened the aperture in a sense for what you want to accomplish in your author business? I feel like it, you know, it, it has, it's a, it's a new avenue for us. It's a great way to share our passion and our love for writing our own stories, but also inviting readers and listeners into a space where they can nerd out with us. So we get to be, you know, ourselves on this podcast, which is great. And um, we really just hope it will inspire people to write their own stories and, you know, build more of our platform too, because it's just another avenue. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Now, do you have any words of advice for an author who doesn't have a podcast, but who might be considering one. Do you have any tips or tricks for them to consider? I would say just start, you know, that's what we did. We didn't buy all this equipment. Um, my publisher who encouraged us said it's super simple. It's free. You know, you can get on like StreamYard, Spotify for podcasters. It's free. Like everything is there for you already to just use. It's more of just sitting down and saying, we're going to do this. And that's what I did with my friend, Angela. Like, we're just going to hit record. <laughs> we're going to hit record. We're going to see what happens and just kind of go naturally like what we're doing here, just having a conversation. And we loved meeting at coffee shops and talking. So it's kind of the feel we wanted to, but we're just going to go back and forth talking about the things we love and story craft. So we are excited to do the interview aspect, but I would say, you know, for anyone who wants to start a podcast, just, just start come up with a name. And I think when you do that, it feels real. It was like, once we had our name, then we could design a logo. And then it was just going on all the social media platforms and creating accounts and we do it together. So if you're nervous or like introverted, like me and my friend, find a, find a teammate to, to do it with. And I think it, you'll be surprised at how much fun you can have with a podcast. I love that so much. Stephanie, this has been awesome. Where can people connect with you? Where can they get your books? Where can they get to your podcast? I mean, how do they get in your world? So the easiest way to find me is on my link tree. So link tree, Stephanie Cotta, and my website's on there. I'm on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, and my book, you can find it anywhere. The Conjurer's Curse is out right now. And my sequel, The Race of Arjun, is releasing in December. So it's, you can find it on Amazon, uh, Barnes & Noble, just anywhere online where books are sold. And for the podcast, we are The Ink Mages. You can find us on our link tree, The Ink Mages. We are on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram at this, yeah, at this point. And also Spotify. So Spotify and YouTube. Just go to the link tree. You'll find all of our links. I love it. Stephanie, thank you so much for being on the show. This has been so much fun. Thank you so much. It's been wonderful. Thanks again for listening today. I'm so glad you were here. I'd love to hear what resonated with you from this episode, so connect with me on Instagram at author Jennifer Milius and let me know. 
Your book, your message, your body of work is worth sharing, and you are the right person and the only one who can share it. Keep writing and keep putting yourself out there because the people who need to hear your message the most are waiting for you. They are waiting for you to step up to your next level of genius so they can have the impact they're meant to because you inspired them. I'll see you soon.